Tupkin, a tragedy of the harem by anna harriet leonowens this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt Perard. Tuptum, a tragedy of the harem by anna harriet leonowens those of my readers who may recur to my late work the english governess of the siamese court will find on the two hundred and sixty-fifth page mention of a young girl of fresh and striking beauty and delightful piquancy of ways and expression who with a clumsy club was pounding fragments of pottery urns vases and goblets for the foundation of the wat or temple raja ba ditsan very artless and happy she seemed and as free as she was lovely but the instant she perceived that she had attracted the notice of the king who presided at the laying of the foundation of the temple and flung gold and silver coins among the workwomen she sank down and hid her face in the earth forgetting or disregarding the falling vessels that threatened to crush her but the king merely diverted himself with inquiring her name and parentage and someone answering for her he turned away this is all that is there said of her a week later i saw the girl again as i was passing through the long enclosed corridor within the palace on my way to my schoolroom in the temple she was lying prostrate on the marble pavement among the offerings which were placed there for the king's acceptance and which he would inspect in his leisurely progress towards his breakfast hall i never went that way without seeing something lying there bales of silk on silver trays boxes of tea calicoes velvets fans priests robes precious spices silver gold and curiosities of all kinds in fact almost anything and everything that money could purchase or the most abject sycophancy could imagine as likely to gratify the despot every noble prince and merchant sought to obtain the royal favor by gifts thus presented it being fully understood between the giver and receiver that whoever gave the most costly presents should receive the largest share of royal patronage and support but the most precious things ever laid upon the pavement were the young hearts of women and children two women were crouching on either side of the young girl waiting for the entrance of the king in order to present her to him i was hardly surprised to see her there i had grown accustomed to such sights but i was surprised at the unusual interest she appeared to excite in the other women present who were all whispering and talking together about her and expressing their admiration of her beauty in the most extravagant language she was certainly very beautiful by nature and those who sent her there had exhausted all the resources of art to complete according to their notions what nature had begun and to render her a fitter offering for the king her lips were dyed a deep crimson by the use of betel her dark eyebrows were continued in indigo until they met on her brow her eyelashes were stained with coal the tips of her fingers and her nails were made pink with henna while enormous gold chains and rings bedizened her person already too much saddened by the frequency of such sights i merely cast a passing glance upon her and went my way 
but now as i see in memory that tiny figure lying there and the almost glorified form in which i beheld it for the last time i cannot keep the tears from my eyes nor still the aching of my heart about three months or so later we met again in the same place i was passing through to the schoolroom when i saw her joyously exhibiting to her companions a pomegranate which she held in her hand it seemed to be the largest and finest fruit of the kind i had ever seen and i stopped to get a closer view both of the girl and of the fruit each perfect in its kind i found however that the fruit was not real only an imitation it was a casket of pure gold the lids of which were inlaid with rubies which looked exactly like the seeds of the pomegranate when ripe it was made to open and shut at the touch of a small spring and was most exquisitely moulded into the shape and enamelled with the tints of the pomegranate it was her betel box where did you get this box i inquired she turned to me with a child's smile upon her face pointed to the lofty chamber of the king and said my name you know is tuptin pomegranate i understood the gift afterwards i saw her frequently on one occasion she was crying bitterly while the head wife thing was reproving her with unusual warmth for some fault i interrupted thing to ask for some paper and ink for the schoolroom but she paid no attention to my demands instead of complying with them at once as usual she inquired of me what shall i do with this tuptim she is very disobedient shall i whip her or starve her till she minds forgive her and be good to her i whispered in thing's ear what said the offended lady in an angry tone when she does wrong all the time and is so naughty and wilful why when she is ordered to remain upstairs she runs away and hides herself in matran's or simla's rooms and we are taken to task by his majesty who accuses us of jealousy and unkind treatment towards her then we have to search all the houses of the chums concubines until we find her either in hiding or asleep and bring her to him the moment she comes into his presence she goes down upon her knees appearing so very bashful and innocent that he is enraptured at the sight and declares that she is the most perfect the most fascinating of women but as soon as she can get away she does the same thing again only finding some new hiding place and so she makes an infinity of trouble now she says she is ill and cannot wait upon the king while the physicians declare that there is nothing whatever the matter with her i really don't know what to do or what to say for i don't dare to tell the truth to the king and i am in constant fear that she will come to a bad end if she doesn't follow my advice and make up her mind to bear her life here more patiently i pity the poor girl who really looked either sick or unhappy child as she was there was a great deal of quiet dignity about her as with eyes filled with tears she protested that she was utterly sick at heart and could not go upstairs any more i was sure that things sweeping reproof did not indicate any malice or real anger towards the girl and putting my arms around the elder lady i succeeded in soothing her indignation and at length obtained permission for tuptum to be absent from duty for a few days a grateful smile lit up the girl's tearful face as she crept away that girl 
is too artless said kind-hearted thing to me as soon as the child was out of sight and she will not even try to like her life here i pity her from my very heart ma'am dear but it would not do to show it she would take advantage of my kindness and keep away from the king altogether as marchand does and in all such cases we head wives have to bear the brunt of the king's displeasure and are thought to be jealous and intriguing when the holy buddha in heaven knows that there is only kindness in our hearts not long after the above conversation tupton began to come to school she wanted to learn to write her name in english she said and she came to me once or twice a week until she had acquired that accomplishment which seemed to give her immense satisfaction after she had done this she asked me if i would write the name kun fra bala for her in english i wrote it for her at once without asking her why she wanted it or whose name it was i did not even know if it was the name of a man or a woman as the siamese have no masculine and feminine terminations to their names and titles she immediately began to trace the letters for herself and i could see a world of tenderness in her large dreamy eyes as she copied and recopied the name in its english characters i cannot rightly remember how often or how long she came to the school for she was but one among many but whenever she found me engaged with the princes and princesses she would sit for hours on the marble floor and listen to our simple exercises of translating english into siamese or siamese into english with increasing interest and delight expressed in her pure guileless face i do remember that she was never alone but always accompanied by two or three young companions of about her own age who were as listless and idle as she was absorbed and interested perhaps this was the reason with her extreme youth for she was still but a child and seemed even younger than she really was why i never attempted to enter into conversation with her or to learn anything about her history and her feelings if i had done this i might have succeeded in winning her confidence and perhaps have been the means of reconciling her to her life in the palace that i did not will ever be a source of poignant regret to me one afternoon as i was about leaving the palace after school she came running up to me took a scrap of paper from under her vest and held it silently before my eyes while i read what was written upon it it was the name kun fra balat carefully written in english characters and she seemed delighted with the praise i bestowed on the writing whose name is it tukton i asked she cast down her eyes and hesitated for a moment then raising them to mine she replied it is the name of the favorite disciple of the high priest chao kun sa he lives at the temple of raja Bhaktit sang and sometimes preaches to us in the palace the expression of deep reverence that animated her face as she spoke revealed to me a new phase in her character and i felt strongly attracted towards her i nevertheless left the palace without further conversation but on my way home formed a vague resolution that i would endeavour to become better acquainted with her and attempt to win her confidence my half-formed resolve was without result however since for some reason unknown to me she never came to the schoolroom again
and as i did not chance to meet her on my visits to the palace she soon passed from my thoughts and i forgot all about her some nine months or perhaps a year after my last encounter with tuptum i became conscious of a change in the demeanour of my elder pupils they were abstracted and appeared desirous to get away from their studies as soon as possible it seemed as if there were some secret they had been ordered to conceal from my boy and me my imagination immediately took the alarm and i became possessed with the idea that some grave calamity was impending one day when breaking up school for the afternoon i heard one of the princes say to the others in siamese come let's go and hunt for tuptim why where has she gone as soon as i asked the question princess yanwalax angrily seized him by the arm and hurried him away i had no wish to inquire further what i had heard was enough to excite my imagination afresh and i hurried home full of anxiety about poor little tuptim thus suddenly brought back to my remembrance on the following evening it being sunday one of my servants informed me that a slave girl from the palace wished to speak with me in private when she came in her face seemed familiar but i could not remember where i had seen her or whose slave she was she crawled up close to my chair and told me in a low voice that her mistress kun chao tuptum had sent her to me you know she added that my mistress has been found found i exclaimed what do you mean she repeated my question and in great astonishment asked why did you not know that my mistress had disappeared from the palace that his majesty had offered a reward of twenty kepis about fifteen hundred dollars to any one who would bring any information about her and that no trace of her could be discovered though everybody had been searching for her far and near no i have never heard a word about it but how could she have got out of the palace through the three rows of gates that are always bolted and not be seen by the amazons on guard alas my lady she did get out replied the girl who looked very wan and weary whose eyes seemed to have been shedding tears for a long time and who was on the point of breaking down again she then went on to tell me that two priests had that morning discovered her mistress in the monastery attached to the temple of rajabaditsan and had brought the information to the king by whose order she had been arrested and imprisoned in one of the palace dungeons but what good can i do fame i asked sorrowfully oh ma'am dear if you don't help her she's lost she'll be killed cried the girl bursting into a passion of tears oh do do go to the king and ask him to forgive her he'll grant her life to you i'm sure he will oh oh what shall i do i've nobody to go to but you and there's nobody but you can help her and her tears and sobs were truly heartrending. i tried to soothe her tell me fem i said why did your mistress leave the palace and who helped her to get away the girl would not answer my question but kept repeating oh do come and see her yourself do come and see her yourself you can go to the palace after dark and the gatekeepers will let you in nobody need know that you are going to see my dear mistress as there was no other method of quieting the poor girl i finally made the promise though i did not see what good my going could do and was fully convinced that fem had abetted tuptim in her wrong-doing whatever that might have been 
after the slave girl had left me i sat by my window and watched the stars as they came out one by one and shone with unusual splendour in the cloudless sky it was a lovely night and i felt the soothing influence of the christian sabbath even in that pagan land but the one idea that took possession of my mind was poor little tupton in that dreadful dungeon underground still and notwithstanding my promise i felt a strong reluctance to respond to the cry which had reached me from her and wished that i had never heard it i was tired of the palace tired of witnessing wrongs i could not remedy and half afraid too to enter that weird mysterious prison world after nightfall so i sat still in dreamy uncertainty till a warm hand was laid upon mine and i turned my eyes from the stars above to the poor slave-girl's sad tear-stained face at my feet the gates are open for the prime minister ma'am dear said she in a low pleading voice and you can get in now without any difficulty i rose at once resolutely cast my cowardly fears behind me told my boy where and why i was going put twenty tickles in my purse wrapped my black cloak about me and hurried towards the palace gate Fem had run back at once for fear of being shut out for the night the women at the gates who were all friendly to me admitted me without question and as i passed i dropped two tikals into the hand of the chief of the amazons on guard saying that i had been called into the palace on important business and begging her to keep the inner gates open for my return you must be sure and come back before it strikes eleven said she and i passed on as soon as i entered the main street within the walls the slave-girl joined me and led the way crouching and running along in the deep shadow of the houses until we reached the gate of the prison in which tupton was immured when she immediately disappeared the hall i entered was immense with innumerable pillars and a floor which seemed to be entirely made up of huge trap-doors double barred and locked while the lanterns by which it was dimly lighted were hung so high that they looked like distant stars there were about a dozen amazons on guard some of whom were already stretched in sleep on their mats and leather pillows their weapons lying within reach the eyes of all the wakeful custodians of the prison were fixed upon me as i entered a courteous return was made to my polite salutation and my ying tafan great mother of war addressed me kindly inquiring what was my object in coming there at that time of night i told her that i had just heard of tupton's having got into trouble and being imprisoned and had come to ascertain if i could be of any assistance to her the child is in trouble indeed replied my ying tafan and has not only got herself into prison but her two young friends matran and simla who are confined with her can i not help them in any way i asked no said the amazon gently i fear you cannot her guilt is too great and she must take the consequences what has she been doing to this question i could get no answer and after vainly attempting to persuade ma ying tafan to tell me i tried to induce her to let me go down and visit poor tupton my impossible was the reply without an express order from the king when you bring us that we will let you in but without it we cannot and mine was the only answer i could get to my repeated and urgent entreaties i sat there hopelessly looking at the amazons 
who in the dim light of the distant lanterns overhead seemed to me to be changed from tender-hearted women as they were into fierce vindictive executioners and at the huge trap-door at our feet beneath which the three children as the amazon had rightly called them were imprisoned but from which no sound no cry no indication of life escaped until tired and despairing i rose and left the palace as soon as i was out of the building i saw femme the slave-girl crouching in the shadows on the opposite side of the street and keeping pace with me as i went towards the palace gate when i turned into another street she joined me and i found that she had been hidden under the portico of the prison and had heard all my conversation with the amazons prostrating herself till her forehead touched my feet she implored me in the name of the fra chao in heaven not to forsake her dear mistress she is to be brought before the court in the outside hall of justice to-morrow she said oh do come early perhaps you can persuade kun thao at to be merciful to her and with a sickening sense of my utter powerlessness i promised to be present at the trial end of tuptum a tragedy of the harem by anna harriet leon owens